Well, hey, welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, we're always inspired to hear how God is using this ministry from right here in Winchester, Virginia to change lives all around the world. And if you have a story to share, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at amen at myoasischurch.org. Now, if you'd like to support this ministry financially so that we can continue to bring messages just like this one to you each and every single week, you can do so at myoasischurch.org slash give. Thank you so much for your generosity. You're truly making a difference. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. Amen. We're in our final uh, message of the series Donkey Mission, talking about a guy named Saul in the Old Testament who was sent by his father, um, or uh, yeah, sent by his father um, to, to go looking for some donkeys. And uh, he felt like the, the, the mission was pointless. He, he was... Uh, getting tired of, of going around to all these different places looking for donkeys, and he didn't really see the point and the mission that he was sent out to do, and then later found himself becoming the king of Israel. And uh, week one, we learned about donkey missions that God sends us on and not to give up in those missions. Week two, we talked about how our past can actually hold us back from our future. And week three, we talked about the excuses that we make oftentimes in life. Today, as we conclude our series, I want us to look at one final aspect of Saul's donkey mission, and that is he didn't go alone. He didn't go alone. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning. God, we thank you that you're moving in the life of your church. We pray that you would uh, open our hearts, open our ears to hear a word from you this morning. Use me to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have you ever went anywhere and um, thought to yourself, man, this would be so much better if so-and-so was here? Like maybe it was like you went to a football game and you're like, man, I wish this particular friend was here. Or um, you went somewhere and you wish your wife or husband was there. Um, Anybody ever done something like that before? I remember growing up, my um, my dad was a huge... uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, any Dallas Cowboy fans in the in the house? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the moral support, John. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know too much about football, to be honest with you, but uh, he was a Dallas Cowboys fan, and uh, he always wanted to see the Dallas Cowboys play in person, but he never able was able to get that chance to happen. Uh, but... Um, uh, I was on a, a, a trip one uh, one time doing video production for a youth conference uh, called Winterfest for the Church of God. I was running video production, and we were going to Dallas, and uh, the, the AT&T Stadium was just built a couple years before that. And um, I remember standing outside and, and FaceTiming my dad. I was like, I'm at the AT&T Stadium. He was like fangirling over <laughs> the, the stadium. Uh, he wanted to be there so bad. Or maybe it's the opposite. Uh, you, you're experiencing something awesome, and you get to celebrate with the people around you. Uh, anytime I go to my son's soccer game, I'm like that dad that is like, on the edge line yelling at the refs, that's a bad call, that's a bad call. You don't know what you're talking about, right? Uh, I'm the dad that's like, you know, screaming and yelling uh, whenever they're making a goal. Uh, I'm, I'm the dad that's like, you know, push them back, push them back. He pushed you, that's not fair, you know? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm that dad. I, I get so excited with soccer games, uh, but I love that I get to celebrate with my wife. So every time they score, I like jump up, I'm like screaming, I'm the only one jumping up and screaming, you know? All the other parents are like just looking at their phones or whatever. I'm so into it. And 
and uh, uh, I'm like celebrating with my wife. I just love that I get to go to soccer games uh, with my with my family. There's something about being around other people. Amen. First uh, Samuel chapter nine. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, for all of you heathens who didn't bring a Bible to church, including myself. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Baccarat, the son of Aphia of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost, and Kish said to the son Saul, Take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Today I have four thoughts for you that I want to talk about. And the first one is that we were not created to do life alone. We were not created to do life alone. I find it interesting that the the first instruction that the Father is giving is don't go alone. Don't go alone. What did the Father know that Saul didn't know, right? uh, He probably knew how demanding of a mission this was going to be. He probably knew how tiring it was going to be. He, he probably knew that it would even be filled with temptation, and he didn't want his son to go alone. And I wonder how many of us uh, have had our Heavenly Father look after us in the same way. What does our Heavenly Father know about our life that we don't know? And donkey missions aren't meant to be navigated alone. And God knew that the world was too big, that the world was too bad, the, the world was too hard for any of us to go through this life alone. Our knee-jerk response when trouble, come, when trouble comes is to do it alone, right? How many of you like to do things on your own? You're independent. How many of you don't like community? Keep Raise your hand real high. This is going to be hard for them. <laughs> You just, you just, it's hard for you to get around some, some other people. Uh, we isolate ourselves. We, we retreat or we pull back or we do something even worse. We charge full speed ahead with no wisdom whatsoever. And God designed us to need one another. God designed us to need one another. And so many in our world today are feeling alone because isolation is at an all-time high. The pandemic, man, has really, really changed some things. Uh, Check out these statistics from um, uh, Harvard. According to a study, 61% of adults feel serious loneliness. 61% of adults. That's every six out of 10 people in this room feel severe loneliness. 73% of teenagers say they feel serious loneliness. 73%, seven out of 10 teenagers feel completely lonely. And even 51% of mothers with young children feel lonely. That's why Oasis Youth is so important to be launching today, and I'm excited about it. Um, but man, how, how crazy is that? Those statistics are high, severe, serious loneliness. It's a problem. And that's why point number two is we need friends at pivotal moments in our mission. We need friends at pivotal moments in our mission. In the story, we don't hear about the servant until Saul's about to quit. I think that's interesting. In verse 5, it says, When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying 
about us. Saul is about to reach his breaking point. He's about ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to give up. He's ready to quit. He doesn't think that he can do it. His own ego is kind of kicking in here, thinking about his father so worried about him. And in these moments in our life, when that happens to us, we don't always want to hear what our friends have to say. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I love whenever you're going through a bad time and a good Christian friend with a good heart will come up to you and say, well, you know, the Lord works all things together for the good. You know, oh, shut up, right? Like, no one wants to hear that right now. Life is terrible. Um, we, we, we do this stuff all the time as Christians. Saul did not want to hear about it. But sometimes the best thing that, that we need to hear is exactly what we don't want to hear. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Have you ever had a time in your life where somebody spoke into your life at just the right time for you? Ever had a time where, where somebody stopped you from making a bad decision uh, that could have caused some, some consequences? A while back, uh, Marjorie and I, uh, right, right at the beginning of the church launching, Marjorie and I uh, were hearing some gossip that was taking place that was pretty hurtful towards us. And uh, a friend had called me one night and told me uh, what he had been hearing, and I got, I got furious. I was mad. I was angry. I was ready to go fight somebody, right? Um, I, was, I was pretty upset, and um, uh, I was like, well, tell me who it was. And he gave me the list of names, and I was like, I'm calling all of them right now, and I'm letting them have a piece of my mind, right? And he's like, man, I love you so much. I don't, I don't think you should do that right now. And uh, I was like, why? Why? What's wrong? You know? And he was like, let's just, let's just talk about this for a moment. Can I pray with you for a moment? You know, we prayed together, and I was like, ah, now I feel like a good Christian. I can't call them and yell at them anymore. You know? He's like, I, I'm saving you a bunch of heartache. Trust me. Just let this one go, right? And I was like, okay, okay. He saved me a lot of time. I'm so glad that uh, he was able to speak to me in that moment. And then on the contrary, and uh, this is so important for teenagers right now, I remember uh, growing up, um, I had an algebra teacher in uh, ninth grade who was like this, the, listen, like if you've ever met a Christian that was like the like poster child of Christianity, it was this girl, okay? Uh, this woman was um, the, the most godliest like woman that I could have, uh, that sounds terrible, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really bad. Uh, see, where's my wife? <laughs> like, stop saying that. No. What I mean is, like, she was just like, she was like the Christian that always had her Bible with her everywhere she went. You know, she was always reading the Bible. And uh, she, in, in ninth grade in uh, algebra class, I remember she would, she would write on our test, you know, like 100%. And then she would, like, write a scripture, right? I don't even know how she got away with that because I don't feel like you could do that in school today. But she would write a scripture all the time. And I remember um, that she spoke to our class one day, and she was just like, all of you are called by by God for a very specific purpose, and all of you are going to do big things to change the world. Don't ever let anybody else in your life tell you different, right? And she was always so, um, so, so enthusiastic about making sure that we were living our lives that God had called for us. She was really, really passionate about it. But man, like that spoke to me in that moment. I was, I was like, you know, teenagers don't want to hear that crap, right? <laughs> They're like, ah, whatever, right? But it was something that like really spoke to us in that moment. The number, th key point number three was the only way to have a friend at the pivotal moments is to have them in the mundane moments too. They walked miles and miles together, days and days together. Um, there is power in ordinary moments too in your life. There's power in the ordinary moments in your life, too. I know a lot of times we can think that, uh, oh, it wasn't something extraordinary, so it wasn't really powerful. But there's something powerful in the ordinary moments of our life. Someone once said that life is what happens while you're waiting for life to happen. 
Life is what happens while you're waiting for life to happen. Don't underestimate the small moments that we get to share with one another. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of these things have made us think that life is all about these billboard moments of life, all of the, the highs of our lives, all the, all the, all the, the you know, picture-perfect moments of our lives. But great pleasure is actually in the ordinary moments of our life. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, Uh, Verse 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. We often think of Jesus' ministry as the big moments, the you know, when he was doing amazing big things. But so many of what he imparted into the disciples happened in the ordinary moments. They were just walking along the road. They were just talking to one another. Jesus was just talking. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, Jesus was explaining the cost of following him, what that really meant. And he said, as they were walking along the road, just an ordinary moment, just an ordinary walk down the road. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus was predicting his death. And they, as it says, as they were going up the road to Jerusalem, just a, just a ro- walk up the road, just an ordinary moment up the road, you see the best moments in our life happen in the ordinary moments. They're the ones when you're riding in the car and your kid is asking you a question. That's a best moment. They're when you're tucking your kids into bed at night and they're just saying, oh, just one more thing, just one more thing. Wait, 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 wait. Can I get a cup of water? Just one more thing, right? Anybody's kids become very thirsty at 8.30 at night, right? <laughs> like, like, you're not getting anything to drink. Go to sleep. Uh, the, the best moments are when you're sitting at the dinner table talking about one another's day and hearing about things. The best moments are when you're standing around after a meeting at work and just getting to know one another. I wonder how many of us have been forsaking our ordinary moments because they just weren't extraordinary moments in our life. I wonder how many of us are forsaking the the ordinary moments, the ordinary moments. And key point number four is friends provide something that we lack, that we can't produce ourselves. Friends provide something we lack that we can't produce ourselves. The servant had money in his pack to give the prophet when Saul didn't have any. Verse 7, it continues and says, Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? Verse 8, the servant answered him again. Look, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. The servant had the money they needed to get into the meeting with the prophet. Saul didn't have it, and he needed it. He needed it. He needed it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to help him up. That's what godly friends do for us as well. That's what godly friends do for us as well. They provide strength when we're weak. Amen. They, they provide faith when we are faithless. They, they provide hope when we are hopeless. And they provide encouragement when we are discouraged. Saul reached his destiny and became the first king over Israel because he had a friend around him who was there for him in the mundane times and the pivotal times in his journey. I wonder if we could say the same for us today. The worship team can actually come back up. We're going to take communion today, so we're going to close just a little earlier. But I wonder if we could stay, say the same, say the 
say the same for us today? Do we have friends that surround us in those pivotal moments, in the mundane moments of our life? Do we have good biblical friends? For some of us, that first action step is to get surrounded with some biblical community in our lives. Some of us just need to unfollow some friends, right? Some of us need to let some friends go. Have you ever seen anybody like, you know, going through a hard time and they got that friend that's like giving them all the wrong advice, right? Like, I told you to leave him a long time ago, right? Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, they're married, they're, they're, they're Christians, we need to work on this. Let's, let's hold off on that advice there, right? Uh, some of us have some friends that we probably just need to not listen to. They don't give the best advice, right? Uh, some of us have some friends we need to unfollow uh, because who we travel with on our donkey missions actually does matter. Who we allow in our circle actually does matter. The second thing for us, we need to lean into relationships, not away from them. Not away from them. Some of us have been burned before, and it's time to put ourselves back out there. It's time for some of us to get involved in a small group how many of you are involved in a small group? Raise your hand. Look at that. The hands keep going up more and more every week. I'm, I'm excited. That's great. We have small groups for men. We have small groups for women. We have um, Bible study small group. We have uh, uh, anybody like go hiking. There's a hiking small group. Um, there's, a, there's a just for fun small group. You got to get involved in some biblical community. Get surrounded by some Christian friends that will lift you up in those moments when you're down. And also let you hear what you don't want to always hear because they love you. And, of course, you can stop by the Next Steps area if you're interested in that. But the third one is stop resisting wise counsel and start embracing it, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. Some of us have friends who have given us a godly perspective on something and we didn't want to hear it. Maybe we were spending out of our budget. Maybe we... We're working way too much. Maybe we were not home enough. Maybe we were spending too much time on our phone instead of talking around the dinner table. Maybe we're sleeping with girls or guys before we're married. We have people in our lives who have given us godly perspectives, but we've chosen to ignore it. It's time to stop resisting it because your destiny is at stake. Your destiny is at stake. As we conclude this morning, we weren't meant to take our donkey missions alone. So what changes in your relationships do you need to make this morning? Jesus came so that we, so that we wouldn't have to take donkey missions alone. And he wants to be our best friend forever. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. That would be your first step this morning to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you stand to your feet and bow your heads with me? The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus really did die, that he really did raise again from, from the grave, that you would be saved. So this morning, we're going to pray a prayer out loud together for the benefit of those who may be saying it for the first time. We'll all say it together. But would you repeat after me if that's you this morning? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you died and that you rose again three days later. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. Help me follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with anybody who just said that prayer for the first time? Amen. If you just said that prayer, we're going to do something different this morning. If you just said that prayer uh, after service, just stop by the Next Steps area, and we have a free gift we want to give you. If you just said that prayer online, you can click the link in the comments below. Um, but do you have your communion elements? Let's pull those out. And I'll tell you when we can take it together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. This is an opportunity for us to participate in our faith together, to share in his glory together, to share in his sufferings together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take and eat of the body of Christ. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup. This, is, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take and drink in remembrance of him. <clears throat> 